0: Hi, I'm Kristen Carpenter, the founder and CEO of Verde Brand Communications and the host of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Over the past two decades, Verde served hundreds of amazing brands across the active lifestyle markets. We know how to build and activate communities of rapidly loyal brand fans for our clients because we work every day to help them connect with, serve, and sell to their consumers. And that's what you'll get a masterclass in every week here on the Channel Mastery Podcast. To reach JEDI status as a channel master, you have to commit to knowing your consumer inside and out, because today, the consumer is the channel. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. We're glad you're here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Carpenter, founder and CEO of Verity Brand Communications, and I have a visionary go-getter guest to share with you today, and I know you're going to be so inspired by what you're about to hear. I'm hoping that you will just welcome Sarah Gross with open arms. She's the founder and CEO at Live Feisty Media. Sarah holds a doctorate in women's history. She's a mom to daughter, Rosalie, and is also a two-time Ironman champion. Welcome to the show, Sarah. It's great to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here, Kristen. Thanks so much. You have so many amazing things to share, and I thought we could start our conversation by talking about Live Feisty Media, the company that you founded in 2017. If you could talk about what Live Feisty is and maybe give a little bit of your background as a pro athlete and then why you chose to found Live Feisty, that would be a great way to start today.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for starting with live feisty. I love it. Lots of people want to start with, you know, sport Mm -hmm. when we're talking, but this is my passion and it's what I'm doing right now. So I, um, I'm so happy to start there. Live feisty. Let's see. Let's start with a story in 2014. We asked to have equal slots for the female pros at the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, because that we have equal prize money in triathlon and in Ironman, but we didn't have equal access to the world championships as pro athletes. And we were turned down. And they told us no. And so in 2015, we sort of, at that time, it's sort of before Instagram was even popular. So we went to Twitter and we created a campaign where we asked lots of people to support us and share certain things on, it was actually on International Women's Day. So close to this time, six years ago. And that is when I really learned the power of the media and even though we never really, we never got the equal slots. So Man still doesn't allow the female pros equal opportunity at the, at their world championship. We did manage to make quite a big impact. You know, and I talked to lots of journalists from Sports Illustrated, Forbes, you know, the full gamut ac- across the board. And I thought, you know, when I retire, I was about, I guess I was 39 then. I thought when I retire, I'd really like to work in media. So I thought about doing journalism and going down the normal you know, pass. And then I realized I worked with a startup in women's sports and I realized I kind of wanted to start my own thing. So we started, we just started with one podcast. It's still going and it's still our most popular podcast. It's called Iron Women. And we talked to the female pros in triathlon. But I think my real observation was that, especially as women, we didn't really have a place for active women to kind of find themselves in the media. So we have sports coverage, you know, and women's sports coverage is still like massively needs a reshuffle and there needs to be more of it, like more people actually covering women's sports. But what I wanted to speak to was more all of the, I mean, active performance minded women that I'm surrounded by didn't really have a lot of sort of content created for them and didn't have a voice in a place. So that was sort of where I was started to get focused on. And so that's why we sort of started with a lot of podcasts, just like talking to each other, creating written content and not worried so much about bringing new women into sport as about like talking about what we do in our lives and, and how feisty we are (laughs) actively.
0: (laughs) I love that. And that actually, like, I think I, I know that I must be in your target audience because the feisty part of it is actually like a really key identifier that you can latch onto as part of your, how you self identify as an athlete, right. As a female athlete, I can see why that has been such a sticky, like welcoming (laughs) moniker, part of your name.
1: Yeah. And you know why I, I did the whole brainstorming thing where I had sticky yep. tabs like all over a wall, you know, and what should we call the company and what will be our keywords for marketing and stuff like that. And, you know, that word association thing. And I eventually I didn't come to anything. I spent three days in this room just surrounded by sticky tabs. And then I Googled one day words that had been used to speak negatively about women. You know, I forget exactly how I phrased it on Google, uh-huh. but I came up with these lists and these articles about ways that culturally derogatory words towards women. And feisty came up as one of these words. And I thought, oh, what an interesting word. It's kind of like on an edge there where I had good associations with feisty, but I also understand that there are, that sometimes it's been used in a way that's like, oh, you're feisty. Oh, she's feisty, you know, in a way that could be bad or she's argumentative or, you know, kind of. Negative and uh, um, angry. So I kind of liked it. I love reclaiming language. It's one of my favorite things, reclaiming those kind of words. So I ran with it.
0: Well, and looking at your, you know, having a doctorate in women's history, that's interesting to me too, because I feel like you, even though you have a doctorate in women's history, you as a pro athlete and, you know, a visionary entrepreneur and as a mom of a daughter, you're not
1: looking at the past as what the future could be. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Great question. Yeah. You know, the questions are the same. So for a long time, I had two parts of my life. I had this part where I had done a PhD in women's history and then this part where I'd been an elite Ironman athlete and they didn't really overlap too much. And so this has been this wonderful coming together of my two, passion points. But what I learned from studying women's history was to ask questions in a different way and to look at a historical narrative and who's done the research and what questions are they asking? And is there anyone asking, like, what did women do or what were the women doing so a lot of what I did for my PhD was like, I was literally looking at clay pots in the ancient world, trying to figure out how women may have been, well, how their lives may have been, you know, or you're looking at epitaphs, like literally tombstones trying to decipher who someone might've been. Cause a lot of women didn't write, but essentially you're asking different kinds of questions. And I think that's what we do with, if we have different voices as women or different questions that we might ask someone doing an interview or, you know, just different ways of looking at things. And those things all deserve a voice and a place. And so I think that that's where it overlaps. It's just a different perspective.
0: Oh, I think it's a perfect jumping off point to product market fit. (laughs) You started in 2017. That's when you kicked off Live Feisty. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like a lot of questions probably marked that journey of studying data and getting feedback, coming back with different questions. I'm a big believer in like the quality of the questions that you ask creates literally the quality of your life experience, whether it's work or relationships, et cetera. So you're a media company that a lot of it is interviews, a lot of it is research. I'm curious to know if you could share a few key like how did you know you were really on to something with this product market fit for live
1: feisty. Yeah, that's a great question. I think we knew we were on to something because of the way people responded. Like I regrew a brand called Feisty Triathlon first. And we knew from being on the ground at events and talking to people, but like people would come up to us and shout feisty, 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 <laughs> you know, you know, awesome. you get that real time feedback of like, there are people who are feeling heard by what we're doing and who are hearing us, you know? And I think that that's now we're broadening that further out into sort of talking about female performance into the gravel space. Like you talked about, we have feisty menopause too. And it was the same. We kind of looked around to our audience that we already people that were in the room and we're like, hey, look, these active women in menopause, like they don't have a place. They don't have a lot of information. There's a need to start talking about this. Mm -hmm. Um so we're like, let's do it, you know? And lo and behold, of course, all of those people were like, oh yeah, you know, how do we get through menopause and stay as active as we are? And so then we have that whole podcast and kind of brand with Celine
0: Yeager, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh, she is is amazing. Talk about a visionary. I love her. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fantastic. so that that totally makes sense. And I feel like that's more important than ever. And it's one of I think one of the foundational things we're going to be chatting about here today is you've really stayed disciplined to serving this target audience and yeah. understanding even if there's different ages within this active female you're serving, And she really wants to belong to this community. And there are different facets of that and ways to like nurture her, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think as we're coming through COVID and we've all been so tethered to our search engines and our computers (laughs) as we were in lockdown and and unable to really be part of events, et cetera, and see our community or be with them. I feel like your tenacity to like really keep that focus has really probably carried some expansion that we're going to get into here. So I guess I'm just really, first, before we get into that, have you ever had like a time when you, you were a little tempted to maybe like broaden the scope a little bit more than your person you're serving? Or has it always been just very clear to you because in some ways you are your target audience?
1: Yeah, I think Mm, I don't think I've been too tempted to broaden the scope, largely because like as a media company, that's the beauty of what's allowed us to continue to grow is that we're talking to people, but we're also listening to people. And we're not talking about a massive audience. I don't have a million people on my Instagram, although I hope to someday um, (laughs) that I'm like, whoa, all these people need all different things. You know, Mm -hmm. right now we're very niche and we're talking to people directly and we're hearing from them and then we know what they need and what they want so we can continue to like sort of follow that pathway. I also like to hire people who are good at reading the zeitgeist, if that makes sense, like if someone can read the room. It's almost a skill that's like that's misunderstood or undervalued. In a way, like someone who can read the room and know what people want and act on that in in a variety of ways, whether that's creating content or creating a good product or like that's a skill that, wow, (laughs) you know, we need that. So that's kind of we were willing to follow the path because we're a startup and that's been part of it. I think we have been asked to diversify or, or go more broadly, or we've also been turned away by sponsors who think that we're not, we're too niche and they don't think that they don't necessarily see The value or see the whatever product we're trying to launch, whatever show we're trying to partner with them on. They don't understand that. Like, actually we see that we think there's going to be hundreds of thousands of viewers. And if they don't, then, you know, usually we're right.
0: (laughs) I almost see it. Like, it's like the tip of the iceberg might be the size of your audience, but when you look under the water and how expansive the experience is, like, let's take Girls Gone Gravel. Hmm. That- you launched that with Katherine Taylor and, and uh, Christy Moen, obviously the co-hosts of that show, mm-hmm. relatively recently. And it has grown like wildfire. And I almost feel like you have immediately, there was a community that had two-way conversation in a private Facebook group. And you, know, you have pro-caliber women and our journeyman and sorry, journeywoman writers in there. Mm-hmm. And they're really supporting each other, collaborating. And that's something that I think, maybe more traditional sponsors or traditional brand leaders in endurance, in cycling, et cetera, like maybe don't have all of the faith they're in. But that's an example of something that has just blown up, in my opinion. <laughs> and it's because of the exact approach that you're talking about. It's like a, a flat approach where people are growing it together, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think what a lot of people are missing or I've seen other brands perhaps slightly get it wrong, if I, if I can, that- Women, even beginner women, so someone who's just bought a bike and is doing her first gravel race, right? She doesn't want to be talked down to. She's a highly intelligent person who's been, you know, probably very successful in another area of her life, right? And I think that often we associate bringing new people in with needing to, I don't know, somehow make them feel more comfortable by talking down to them in a certain way, or people don't want to be condescended to, you know, like always treat your audience like they're intelligent, Right. So I think for us, like with Girls Con Gravel, it's like you're you're feisty or feisty menopause, right? You're mm-hmm. feisty, you're here, you're an amazing athlete. It doesn't matter if this is your first race, you are physically capable and we're here to help you on your journey. So that you're welcome here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I see like posts that are, you know,
0: from people like Celine Yeager in there and they're about a specific topic, and she's an expert in a lot of topics. But then we also just have people who are like, hey, I went out and rode, and this is a picture of me, and isn't it pretty? And it's like, both of them appeal to me. And I think that that is a cool part of what you're doing. It's like you're really creating an approach that is with your audience, not like Let's lead the audience over here. And that's, I think, one of the key points that I think is so, so important to depart today. today. Yes, we're going to talk about channels. And yes, we're going to talk about like ways to deliver content. But really, it's like the spirit of um, how you're serving that I think is amazing. So you're creating a place for women to gather. They're ready to raise their hand. They're like, OK, I've, I've read enough. I've Googled stuff. I'm ready to join up. Am I, can I join this community? And like, they immediately come in and they're like, oh, wow, there's a whole bunch of me in here.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
0: (laughs) So I think that's no small feat. And I just really want to say that that's. Fantastic. So let's get into the 2021. Like we started in 2017 that we're now in 2021. There's some obvious expansion going and I was hoping you could talk about how you're hoping to build and nurture and resource your community through this expansion.
1: Yeah. So we definitely, you know, 2020 COVID hit, we recognized we had some opportunities because we were already doing a lot of work online. So we thought, you know, how can we in this online space, how can we serve our community better? So we did various things, you know, free happy hours and talked again, it's like that thing of like, instead of trying to bring in hundreds of thousands of people at the same time, like we also serve the smaller community too. Like let's serve the 30 people who want to join us for happy hour, right? Because those are the people that are going to tell their friends and and help us grow as well. So yeah, we like podcasts are amazing for for what to do when you're you know when you're working at home or when you're you know doing chores at home. Uh, mm-hmm. So we just we really just expanded into this virtual online world pretty quickly with launching the Feisty Menopause brand, and then now we have the Women's Performance Summit, which is I don't know when this podcast comes out, but it's going to be March twenty sixth to twenty eighth. So we're really it's our first virtual summit.
0: Okay. So the one that you did in 2018 that we talked about in our, before we hit record was an in-person summit. And that one was called outspoken is called outspoken women in triathlon.
1: Yes. So we do have, yeah, we do have two summits now. So one is the outspoken women in triathlon summit, which we had 2018, 2019, 2020, we just did an awards ceremony. We didn't have a virtual summit. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is our first time doing a virtual summit. And yeah. It's it's fun to see the tech. Basically when COVID hit, there's kind of like this, it fast forwarded a lot of the tech for these platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I love now being it. So the thing that like I wanted, you know, a year and a half ago, it was like, how would we ever do a virtual summit, you know? And the platforms were kind of struggling and they didn't know what they were doing. But now they just like fast forwarded and we have all these amazing ways of creating a great online experience for an event on the platform too. So that's actually been something that's been really important for us is to use those tech tools, find out what the best ones are, because they have changed a lot, as you probably know, in the last year or two, to create a great experience, which is almost like you're in person, you can do networking, we can have happy hour, we can have presentations that aren't kind of just boring sitting in front of a zoom screen. So
0: well, and this podcast will come out literally right before that conference. Cool. Other people might listen to it after, but let's go ahead and tell people where they can go to learn about, like the lineup is incredible that you have.
1: Yeah. We lineup. I, yeah, we were really, we've been really fortunate to get a lot of combination between people like Myrna Valerio, who's our opening keynote. She's an ultra runner who's going to talk about belonging, you know, Dr. Stacy Sims, who's an academic. We have, we found quite a few academics in, Certain areas like in women's physiology, nutrition science, mental health. And we're also exploring the cultural and social aspects too of all around this idea of women's performance. Like, how do we as active women get the best out of ourselves throughout our lives? So, we're looking at it from the point of view of like from puberty to right through menopause to older age, but also from those four pillars too, like nutrition, physiology, mental health, and cultural, social. So, we found Actually, we were so lucky. We've got 20 people, 20 experts who are doing some networking, like, sorry, breakout sessions. And then the main stage presentations are more broad, perhaps more the inspirational piece. So yeah, it's, so it's Friday, March 26th. I should remember this because it's my birthday until Sunday, Happy March birthday. 28th. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> and you could go to womensperformancesummit.com. That's where and women's all of the information is. Is spelled with an X, correct? Yeah. We decided to go with the X spelling mostly because there's that, the conversation around who should be included in women's sport right now. Yeah. And that was kind of our way of saying, if you identify as a woman, we consider you a woman and just, just creating a, a little line in the sand around that
0: inclusion. That alone is a really important point to bring up because of a lot that's happening in endurance sports, especially I know on like this Well, all of the endurance sports on the um, global competition level, I know there's a lot happening in that regard. So it's awesome that you're bringing that in and just, you know, being super straightforward with that. So just to be clear, it's for anybody who identifies as a woman athlete can join. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, and anyone could join our conference. We have male coaches who coach women, but it was sort of our, it's our way of saying women's performance is like, and who we identify as a woman, Mm -hmm. you know, that is, I mean, I understand, I understand why people struggle with these issues, but I think I really believe in inclusion in sport. And so I think we need to start with inclusion first. Like how do we find a way that everyone can compete? Yeah. For us, anyone who identifies as a woman, we consider you a woman. I think that's great. We had Rach McBride on our podcast Mm -hmm.
0: with our leader from Diamondback Jill. And she gave a great, she just did a great leadership talk to brands, frankly, like here's how some great ways to be inclusive with your branding and how powerful your brand can be for that. So You mentioned earlier in our conversation that your audience is really like so passionate and connected that they will bring in more people that they Mm want to recommend. Hey, you know, you should watch this or join this. I love this, etc. So they're like bringing people in. Like, I feel like you're going to be really putting out like a strong and powerful network to get the word out on this topic as it evolves. It is a really interesting one because. Some of the traditional media outlets are not maybe handling it in a way that is the whole story. So maybe what you're going to be providing, I'm imagining might give us some insight into that more so, you know, cause you're really going to be, it's like by women for women and mm-hmm.
1: some of the speakers that you've lined up, I think are living this every day. Yeah, we had a really interesting speaker at our Outspoken Summit in 2019, uh, called Rachel McKinnon. She's an academic and she studies trans Mm -hmm. rights in sports, and she's also a trans athlete herself. And she won a Masters World Championship. And she really opened our eyes to that idea of starting with inclusion first. Her catchphrase is "Sport is a human right." You know, we all deserve access. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think, and, and another thing that we've talked about at length on some of our podcasts and stuff is, you know, it's one thing to say who doesn't get to be in women's sports or who doesn't get to be called a woman for the purposes of sport, but how do you police that? Like, really are, you, good question. How, are we going to go back to the days when, you know, we're bringing women into closed room and checking their genitals? Like, is that, is that the direction we want to go? Like how, how does I, that seems like an extreme example, but How do you, and then how do you police it in, it's one thing for elite sport, right? Where people could have, you know, like we know that the Bar-Epstein test, the one that tests chromosomes, Mm -hmm. like that didn't work because not all men have, you know, XY chromosomes and not all women have XX chromosomes. So that didn't work. And now we're talking about testosterone levels and controlling that and sport, like, and how do you, and that's the discussion. How much testosterone is a woman allowed to produce? And then she's not a woman anymore. And then, and then do you get to decide who gets to decide that? Right. Right. And what, and from whose viewpoint does the male scientist from the Western world, does he get to decide? Like, is that fair? So you do have a lot of questions, not just around like, yeah, not, but around like, actually, if we were going to decide on these certain limitations of who should be considered a woman for sport, it's like, but what are we going to do? Like (laughs) if someone says they're a woman and they show up, what are you going to do about it?
0: Right. And that the train has left that station, I think. Something we're all dealing with. And maybe COVID was a bit of an accelerator on that front, too. It seems to have accelerated everything. So that conversation might have been maybe moved, moved forward or moved ahead. I definitely have seen a lot with this year's 2021's International Women's Day, Mm -hmm. just in terms of like looking. I think it was a week and a half or two weeks prior to it there was a blow up in the women's and it was, I think one of the spring classics in Europe. And the pay was like inordinarily upside down for mm-hmm. women versus men. And so they, you know, basically someone got a crowdfunding campaign together and they were able to like, oh, even that. and which is really cool. And the women's teams actually donated the extra proceeds. And what they said was like, thank you. This is super generous, but really what we need isn't equal prize money. It's actually media coverage (laughs) Mm -hmm. for the sponsors to step in and do this, et cetera. And in some ways, like that's used six years ago you know, yeah. like you saw a different need six years ago, you built it. And I have a feeling you're probably going to be at the precipice of some pretty big growth because what you're building is very trusted by the people who know it and love it and are part of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that women athletes need today is something they can trust like that because so often we're like, here's ESPN for women. Here's women's sports and fitness. Really old examples. I'm dating myself. I used mm-hmm. to work for most of those publications when I was a journalist. They went away because they couldn't get the sponsorship. But then Velo News has always kind of had a lot of criticism because they weren't covering women's and men's cycling the same way. And, and I think like so much of it is about to change, right? Um, it is. But, but you are not a legacy male-dominated media and to exactly. be like. so I'm really curious to see how you can
1: balance that conversation. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is that women need to own things, mm-hmm. right? Or any demographic that you want represented have to be in the leadership team of making decisions around what happens with whatever the thing is, whether it's media or big corporations or whatever. So I think in this case, what, one thing I love and that I'm seeing happening is women with a lot of money buying sports teams. You've seen like celebrities and stuff starting to buy soccer teams. And, and that that to me is really encouraging because that's what's really going to make lasting change. And it's the same thing with media companies, you know, is like women-led women-owned media companies because we're going to bring our perspectives. And we definitely need diversity in those things. So women from different places making decisions and different demographics within those teams. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Like that's what makes a really big difference.
0: Mm-hmm. And we have to get more people to discover that you're there. So hopefully this podcast will help.
1: <laughs> yes, hopefully.
0: Um, and as we're kind of, I want to make sure we're touching on channels is because our audience loves when we talk about channel strategy. And here we are in March, mid-March going through COVID in 2021. Mm -hmm. I know that there's almost with like, you know, the time change happening yesterday, literally (laughs) people are like waking up today and they're like, Oh my goodness. Like warmer weather's on its way last year that equaled this. And now there's the vaccine. And I just think people are feeling lifted all around. And I'm hoping you can share with our awesome audience, like what are some of the different channels that you're seeing, like have the strongest success with building emotional connection, because you're such a trust-based entity. I'm curious to know, like, usually it's, if she can see it, she can be it. So like the visual channels, but like, what are
1: you seeing from where you are? Oh, great question. Um, I think that, what are we seeing? I think we're seeing a lot of the community-based programs working really well. So for us, we'll do multi-layered things. So we'll definitely do, like we'll work on Instagram and, and TikTok <laughs> um, and do that kind of stuff. But also like deeper down, I think I said this earlier, like to start with the people that are in your immediate, like your number one fans around you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that channel for us, how are we, if we're giving value to those people, then we know that we're on the right track, right? right? So I'm hoping that podcasting as a channel is going to start to go back up. I don't know if you found the numbers have changed during COVID, but you know- Last year they
0: they were definitely down. I For all of our clients who have podcasts as well.
1: Yeah, and I think podcasting, as you probably know too, is a great way to talk to your community um, mm-hmm. and get that real-time feedback and get people to ask questions and you can answer them. And, and so I'm hoping it's going to go, it's going to start to- go up again. And so, yeah, for me, I think it's just like serving the people who are actually in the room, like the people that we hear from, Mm -hmm. right? Like the ones that are buying the t-shirts, the ones that are like responding when they hit reply on our newsletter, you know, the ones that send us voicemails on our, the podcast I do, we get people to send voice memos to us and we play them. That's kind of, that's awesome. Feedback loop. So I don't know if that answers your question about channels,
0: but. Well, I know that you do video, you do written word, so blogs, and then obviously the summits, but it sounds like podcasts have really always been almost like a foundational approach for you. And I'm imagining if you're anything like we are over here with ours is like, we turn our podcasts into written word. We're starting to do more video. I know some podcasters have success with video. Some don't. It really depends on like how, you know, just their audience and what their audience wants. And I'm super curious to see like, how I feel like the Feisty Women's Performance Summit could be like a link that brings all of these things together.
1: Yeah, that's how we're seeing it as the umbrella um, mm-hmm. of a lot of the different brands. So, as you talked about Girls Got Gravel, so the cycling community, our triathlon community, our menopause community, and any active woman interested in performance can find content for herself under that channel. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to your channel's question, I think that I love the 15 second video. Like I love reels. I love TikTok. YouTube's coming out with something similar too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been, it's super shareable. It's easy to make. And sometimes funny, funny content or just like those isolated moments where someone says something cool on a podcast. We've had some good, to call it, results with that as a as a channel, but I'm hoping to do more of it. We're going to see. That's one of the things we're testing, testing out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think also as the world opens up, like one of the conversations we have is like to be ready. So like when the world shut down for COVID, we pivoted really hard, really fast into like, what can we do to serve our community with when everybody has to stay home? And I think we need to be ready also for that. Like when the world opens up and everybody's ready to travel again, like what do people actually want? And the answer might not be as simple as we think it might be. Like it might not just be straight up live events. Like it might be hybrid events or it might be combining up the things that we do. So like we used to do a lot of live coverage of triathlon races, or now we're going to live cover gravel races. So doing that, but combining it with the things we learned. So making the 15 second reels and TikToks or, you know, doing live podcast recordings so our community can be there, but also we have that. So I think there's going to be some new approaches that come out of like this strange opening up world that we're about well, to head into.
0: And I love that because you're not throwing out what you've learned along the way. I mean, we had a budgeting a couple of things we did on budgeting, which sounds so boring, but it's super important to our audience last year in Q3 and Q4. Mm-hmm. And it was specifically around like, how do you budget when like everything has gone from a six-month plan or an annual plan to a weekly plan <laughs> through COVID? <laughs> and like how do we earmark resources for how we know things are going to change? And we talked all about like, take what worked and build on that. And that's exactly what I think you're talking about doing is like, we can't ignore what we just learned because a consumer was being trained through this entire experience of COVID. And it's Mm -hmm. not like they're just gonna one day wake up and put on a new jacket and be the old person they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are going to be this new person. (laughs)
1: People are gonna have different responses to what just happened, right? Like people may have a little PTSD. Like they might not everyone's gonna want to leave the house and be open and back in the world the way that we used to be and travel the way we used to. So how Mm -hmm. do we serve those people too? Yeah. It's interesting like I think a lot about how much do we want to grow as a, I don't know how big your team is, but we, you know, last year, I think there was three of us maybe full-time and now we're at six full-time people and I've got 15 contractors, you know, and so I'm kind of thinking, do I want my team to grow so big that we can't pivot and make those decisions like I'm not sure that I do even though I do want to I do want to grow as a media company I want to be real careful about how fast we're growing just because of that because of that ability that lack of ability to pivot quickly when we need to or change something which I see happening with other you know other friends I have or people who work in various industries who are trying to change something and they're just you know they're just now figuring out their subscription model for whatever they're creating that they should have launched literally last April when COVID first hit. um, Yeah, they couldn't do it. So if the ship's too big, you can't turn it. Right. So that's what I'm thinking about a little bit too, as we grow.
0: That's very smart. And, you know, we like to think, I love just the notion of entrepreneurship, right? Like I think if ever there was a time to hold on to your inner entrepreneur and like, make that person external, it's now. (laughs) Mm. Like always have that beginner mind. And I also think that sometimes entrepreneurs do things because they didn't really know better and they end up being fantastically successful with it because they didn't know they couldn't do it that way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And I think you and I could agree that the same is really true with your athleticism and goals with athletics. Like why not set something and go for it and not listen to people who are like, there's no way you could do that as a working mom or whatever, you know, or someone coming from that socio-economic background. You can't do that. No, if you're passionate about it, and you have this goal. Sometimes you just blow doors on the goal and like get it because you really didn't think about the obstacles. And that's what I think the entrepreneurial spirit really is. It carries us into like the uncharted territory, <laughs> A lot yeah. more successfully than like oh here's my blueprint, I better yeah. follow this blueprint.
1: Oh totally, and in the world you know in the world of elite athleticism, I you know I did manage to win a couple Ironmans, but I was also surrounded by people who were multiple world champions, and I trained with those people, and I, like some of the observations that I took from them too were you know are quite useful for me now. So I I know that, for example, a lot of people who do become world champion are the people who are willing to believe that they can become world champion with very little evidence, right? <laughs> like they yeah. you know, they might go to a race and come 15th and be like, I can be world champion. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, like this isn't even, this is just your local thing. Like, you, you know, how far you are from being world champion, but, and you actually have to believe it right? Mm -hmm. So that ability to, you say, put evidence-based thinking on pause a little bit and just say, okay, how do I do that? What do I need to do now? How do I find the best coach in the world? You know, how do I find the athletes to train with who are going to, who are going to help me on that journey? So um, a lot of that is the same as entrepreneurship. It's the same as like, you know, right now I have zero dollars, but I'm going to build a hundred million dollar company. Like what? That's crazy, you know, but it's that same ability to think several steps ahead Mm -hmm. um, of yourself and to go, okay, I may not see the path right now, but I'm going to be able to follow it. And what you just said is the key as we close here. I'm going to be able to follow it. It is
0: be that person now. Mm. I am the leader of a hundred million dollar company, even if I made a thousand dollars this month.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's that, I guess it's, yeah, you said that really well. It's that ability to, it's not really quite like people say, fake it till you make it, but I don't think that's it. It's like a willingness to work in the dark. Yeah. Like to see something and go, I don't, I don't know where understand the path, but I trust my own ability to learn and I trust myself. And I think that's the piece that can be successful for a lot of people. Yeah. That's awesome. I am so inspired by this. And I
0: did sign up to participate as a attendee in your conference. I can't wait to see everything that Catherine's pulled together. (laughs) So tell us where we can learn more about Live Feisty and then specifically let's call out that conference one more time.
1: Sure. Yeah. So livefeisty.com is just, I always say, I before E, except if you're feisty, <laughs> because it's one of those <laughs> words that can be easily misspelled. So it's E-I. Um, and that's where you find all of our content, all of our podcasts all kind of live there from one place. And the Feisty Women's Performance Summit is under womensperformancesummit.com. And like you said, we do spell women with an X for the summit, but the website, if you accidentally spell it with an E, <laughs> because that's how it's been spelled for all of eternity, then yeah, that site will get you there too.
0: Oh, good. That's good to know. Thank you so much. I really wish you the best of luck on that. I would love to have you back on the show in like six months to talk about like, here's where we are now, you know, because I do think that in 2021, there will be a lot of tea leaves to read like every couple months or so.
1: Yeah. I would love to come back. I bet we'll be nowhere near where I think we're going. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Probably far beyond it. I would think.
1: Yes. Well,
0: thank you so much. It was wonderful having you on Channel Mastery today. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advanced notice of new Channel Mastery trainings and offerings